Mission Ebenezer Family Church. Welcome to those of you who are online with us this beautiful Sunday uh, morning. What a gorgeous day, isn't it? If you didn't have plans to go to the beach, you better make them. Praise God. I want to welcome you if it's your first time here at our church. I want you to feel at home. You belong here. We all belong in God's family. Amen. Let me get one thing clear. There is no us in them in the world. As believers, pay attention, pay attention. There are, there, there are no, there is no such thing as us and them. Sometimes Christians get into bad habits. Somebody say bad habits. We get into us and them thinking. We get into um, that generation kind of talking. We get into them instead of we. Somebody say we. Somebody say us. You know, when we start getting into a church talk, we sometimes make the mistakes of pointing fingers. We sometimes make the mistakes of um, talking about a certain group of people as they or them. But in fact, if we're all honest with ourselves, we all fall short of the glory of God. Somebody say, we all all. fall short. So there should be no more us and them kind of language. The church should be an all kind of language, an us kind of language, where people know that they can encounter Jesus Christ, the Lord of creation, the master of the universe, our Savior and our Lord, right here in this place. And we take that kingdom mindset. Somebody say kingdom. Kingdom. We take that kingdom mindset wherever we go. And that's what changes the atmosphere. That's what changes the room. Amen. So right now I'm looking at a room full of world changers right now. Praise God. I'm looking at a room full of world changers right now. On August 27th, it's a Saturday from 8 to 12, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., not 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. But in the morning, we're going to have um, continental breakfast from 8 to 9 a.m. Right here in the sanctuary, this place will be co- co- converted into a conference room, all right? And um, those who are called to serve the Lord, those who are called to want to join us in the kingdom work and ministry are invited to participate in a powerful leadership conference that we call the leadership summit. And the theme for this year's leadership summit is connecting generations. Somebody say connecting generations. We believe there is a disconnect, not only in the church, but in the world where generations are misunderstanding one another. We believe that in the church, whether it's generational leadership, a church like ours of close to 65 years here in the South Bay, we believe conversations need to be had, that there needs to be some understanding, there needs to be some some learning and some unlearning where the generations can come together, spend time around the table and figure out what God is calling us to do and how we're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if that's you and and the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart, we're going to ask that you take this flyer in the bulletin. You fill this out. You block that day out of your 
busy, crazy schedule. And if you care about this church, if you care about what this church is doing and how we're living out faithfully God's calling, and you want to be a part of the conversation of what we look like and how we do ministry going forward, please be there. Please be there. Please make it a priority to come together with your brothers and sisters at this year's Leadership Summit. There are baskets at the main exits on my left, which is the west side. Over here on the east side, there's a basket over there. There are baskets and um, folks with information in the foyer, and we want to make sure that you are a part of what God is doing here going forward. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let us go to the word of God. The word of God has the power to transform. It has the power to take all the stuff that's inside of us and replace it with the stuff that's inside of him. The word of God has the power to deliver, to save. And we're going to tap into that power today. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 4. Those of you who know the book of Romans are already licking your chops. Those of us who are new to scripture are now getting excited because of others who are licking their chops. If I were to give today's message a title, it would be, aren't you tired of trying to be perfect? Aren't you tired of trying to be perfect? You see, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out before you decide to walk with Jesus. How many of us have ever heard somebody say, oh, I'm working on some things and I'm, I'm figuring some stuff out. And, and when I do, you know, that, you know that's when I'm going to make my way to church. Oh, you know, if I ever walked in, in, into that church, man, the four walls of that place would fall down and that building would crumble. Oh, the things that I've done that I'm not proud of. Oh, the things that I'm still trying to deal with and grapple with in my own spirit. Well, you know what? Let God come in and do the, the housekeeping and the cleaning for you. I still don't know why, why the sisters still, they go and clean and tidy their house before the housekeeper comes. That's the job of the housekeeper. The housekeeper, that's what they specialize, that's for expertise. I, baby, put that down. No. I just think, you know, no offense, ladies. The ladies just don't want the housekeepers to see how we really live. <laughs> this is how we really live. That's why don't drop by 731 West blah, blah, blah Boulevard in uh, uh, California. Unannounced. You will be met at the door by a sister. Who will greet you and say, how can I help you, brother, sister? No, you're not welcome into the house. Not because I don't love you. Because I just don't want you to see the tornado that is behind me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I'm messing my man. I'm messing. I'm hey, oh, man. You kidding me? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. My wife keeps a good house, and all of us are put to work. All of us. I'm just fussing about. Romans chapter four. Everybody's like, oh yeah, the word. Verse one. What shall what then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? Hmm. Paul's talking about discoveries. If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, watch this, you guys, here's his first illustration, trying to get at the understanding, the discovery about the father of faith, who is Abraham. Everybody say Abraham, the father of faith. So so Paul sets out to understand and to discover something very, very interesting. Interesting. And here's the first illustration or example that he uses. He says, now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. How many of you guys, if you go to work, how many of you guys, if you go to work, you're expecting a paycheck? And, and, and whether it's um, every two weeks or whether it's at the end of the month or whether you get paid every week, if the paycheck is not in the box, if the money is not transferred into the account, your first meeting on Monday is going to be where? Accounts payable HR. Human resources. When I tell my sons, go pick up the dog poo, go take out the trash, and they don't get an allowance or what they want on that Friday, they show up and they knock on the door of the principal and they say, dad, pay up. You see, when we work, we expect to get paid. It's not a gift. Oh, man, you know, because you work so hard, I just, I wanted, to, I wanted to give you, you know, this gift. You're like, it ain't no gift, man. I earned that. I work for that. How many of you work hard at what you do? Raise your hand if you work hard at what you do. That's why you enjoy the fruit of your labor. At BJ's restaurant on Friday with the family. However, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. All right, now we're getting somewhere now. First, Paul is establishing the fact that if you work for something, you have earned it. It is yours. It is rightfully yours. You are going to get what you have coming to you. You will receive your due. Are we all clear so far? David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. So now we're talking about works and now we're talking about blessedness or righteousness. How is a man righteous? How is a man made righteous? Is a man, let me ask a question. Is a man made righteous because of how good he is? Or is he righteous because of something that God has done? Say that again. God has done. 
a man is made righteous. A man or a woman is blessed because of God's goodness. Because of God's promises. Look what he says. Now he, now he is going to his second illustration or example and he's turning to the Old Testament to explain it furthermore through David. King David, the second king of Israel, the people of God. And the Bible says that David was a man after what? David was a man after God's own heart. Everybody repeat after me. Say, David was a man after God's own heart. And so Paul is looking to David because he was highly esteemed among the Jews, amongst the people of Israel. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. David said that. And David understood God's pardon, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's blessedness, God's favor. Somebody say favor. Many people don't understand that God's favor ain't fair. Because we count ourselves out. And we create limits and boundaries to what God can do in our life. But God wants to remove all boundaries. God wants to remove all limits. God wants to remove all limitations. God wants to remove the glass ceiling that we have built over ourselves that has prevented us from reaching up to heaven and receiving everything that God has in store for us. But today, God wants to eliminate all that. God wants you to pull out arrow after arrow and keep striking and striking and striking without stopping. And he said, there is your blessing. Blessing. I have not limited your blessings. I have not put um, a, a governor on what you can receive. As a matter of fact, I want to give you as much as you receive. I want to give you as much as you deserve. I want to keep pouring out blessings from heaven that you cannot even contain. That's God's promises to us. And that's why I say we have to get rid of this us and them kind of language because God wants to give this to everybody. And we in the church, you guys, we get caught up into this, this kind of thinking like, oh man, but I'm trying to live a perfect life or I'm trying to be so holy or I'm trying to live righteously. And those things are all good and they're great intentions and they're great attempts. Somebody say attempts. They're great efforts. It's great effort. But guess what? God ain't pleased with effort. God ain't pleased with your intent. God is more impressed with faith. God is more impressed with trust. God is more impressed with, I'm getting myself out of the way. Holy Spirit, would you come here and make a way where there is no way? Holy Spirit, would you come in and make this possible when it is impossible? Holy Spirit, would you come in and help me to change my mindset because I'm stuck in a rut and I can't get out on myself and my wheels are spinning, 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 spinning in this mud and I just need a little... Mm. Paul wants us to understand this in Romans chapter four. He wants us to be able to comprehend. So he says, let's take a greater look. Let's look into the scriptures and who better than, than to study, but the father of faith, father Abraham. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse nine. Is this blessedness only for the, the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Now, this is just Bible talk for people who understand that the people of Israel were of folks who were recognized and known by this sign where they had to actually have the flesh 
of their um, nether regions dealt with. You can look up circumcision on your own if you like. This is just that kind of language to, to differentiate between the Jews and the Gentiles. All right. Some of us may have in here may have some some traits to, you know, Jewish bloodline and background. We have like, I don't know, like one thirty one one thirty second of, of Jewish Ashkenazi Jewish blood in my, my mom's family. Right. But most of us don't have any traces. Most of us are, were what the Bible talks about and considers as Gentiles. And so all of that biblical scriptural language, just to say this, there was. Paul was trying to eliminate the us versus them. He was trying to eliminate the, the, um, those guys over there and the finger pointing and the, um, oh, look at us kind of mentality and saying that God wants to pour out his blessings upon all men, upon everybody. Paul, in other words, becomes an advocate for the blessings of heaven, he becomes an advocate and starts to understand who Jesus the Messiah is. Paul is starting to crack the case. He's starting to Columbo that sucker. He's starting to crack the case. Oh, wait. One last thing. Right? And Paul says, I want everybody to understand that it's not just for this special people over there that were chosen by God to help produce and provide an incubator or a womb for Messiah, who is the savior of the world, who is Jesus. But I want to make sure that the people of Israel know that they were meant to be used by God to reach the rest of the world, all nations with salvation and the message of faith and trusting and forgiveness and mercy. Hallelujah. And somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Somebody say I didn't earn it, but I receive it. Praise God. You just professed that over your, over your life. You're a prophet. You're a prophet. Verse 9, verse B. Uh, verse 9B. We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Under what circumstances was it credited? Here we go. He's going to flesh it out for us. Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. So the circumcision was, was called a works type of righteousness. But he's saying Abraham was blessed and it was credited to him as righteousness as blessedness before he was even ever circumcised. It started when he trusted and believed God. When Abraham believed God, when God told him, and you will be my, my heir. And you will be the seed. You will be the father of many nations. Before Abraham even lifted a finger, did anything, even understood what he was doing. He said yes to God. Oh, if we would pray. Oh, if we would seek the Lord for revival. Oh, if we would ask Jesus to go before us and, and help us to reach those who are in the world who don't know, who don't understand that they don't have to lift a finger. They don't have to do a thing in order to receive the blessing and the favor of God and to receive eternal salvation. But all they need to do is say yes. 
Somebody say yes. You know, in sports, you have to you have to have a certain kind of mindset. In, in sports, in the sports world, you know, there's 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 winning and then there's learning. There's winning and there's learning. And in the in the sports world, sometimes when you try too hard, you start to press, and then you struggle, and then you get into your own head. And then you can't play freely. You get stuck. You're a shell of yourself out there on the field. You know, at work, at work, sometimes your bosses and everybody put so much pressure on you to perform or to produce. And because you got to reach this number and this quota. And then you still get laid off. We still get let, laid off. We still get fired. Well, you see, it's a numbers thing, and just the numbers aren't adding up. Like, so what's the Lord saying? He's like, learn how to trust. Learn how to have faith. We need to change our mindset. I remember when I was at the University of Florida, I started pressing so bad when I was playing baseball there when I was a youngster. I started pressing so bad that I was swinging at pitches way up here. I was swinging a pitch in the dirt, and on the third pitch, I'll be walking back to the dugout with my, my bat between my legs. So I needed a fresh start, so I went over to UCLA, came back to the West Coast. So I played in the SEC, and then I played over here in the Pac-10 back then. I don't even know. One day, pretty soon it's going to go back to the Pac-6. Those of you who've been following sports. And when I was at UCLA, I had a, I had a complete change of mindset. I had to repent from the, the, all the things that I had allowed to creep into my mind, like doubt, like fear, like stress, like pressure, all the, all the, like anxiety, like worrying about the game that you're going to play tomorrow, the night before and not sleeping. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I let all that negativity, all that stuff start to get all up in my gut. Coming out of your pores, coming out of your mouth, you start saying things. Your, your face starts to look a certain way. You start listening for things. You start carrying a chip on your shoulder. You start getting bitter. You start hoping that other people would fail. You start hoping that other people would get hurt. You start hoping that that guy would get fired so you could take his spot. You start praying bad things, precatory psalms over your boss and All of a sudden, you're like, dang, I don't know him. All of a sudden, you're like, who is that? And then you go back and you're like, okay, whoa, wake up. My parents sent my brothers to Gainesville, Florida. We jumped in my little red Toyota pickup truck. We were barreling down the 10. Got to Tallahassee. We kept on pushing. We saw rest areas. We'd go and take our breaks. We kept on pushing. It was me and David and Coba. I was 20. Dave was 18. Coba was 15. I don't know what my parents were thinking. 
it was like saving Private Ryan. Just like if if a bad turn went wrong, we made all the way. It was the most incredible trip. My brother Koba's right there. Koba, wasn't that fun? Me and David rotated driving. We made it back to L.A. in 36 hours. You can tell I'm Mexican, right? I say L.A., you know, Disneyland, stuff like that. Koba was laid out in the, back then Koba was real short, so he, he was like, he could lay the, the length of the truck in the back. He was just chilling. We stacked it up with pillows and blankets. He had it made, bro. He was like, we were feeding him grapes when we were driving. Him. Feathers. But I remember the, on the way back, the Lord just saying, you're going to change your mindset. You're going to be a different guy. You're going to go back to being who I made you to be. And I remember, I, I remember as vivid as, as the day, thinking to myself, if baseball works out, praise God. If it doesn't work out, praise God. I remember thinking, I'm going to be the best teammate. I'm going to be a good friend. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to put it all in God's hands. I'm going to let the Lord do what God's going to do. Because whatever God has for me, can't nobody take away. Because whatever is in heaven with my name on it, I just got to walk in it. I might as well just walk with a little swag, you know, I'm just like, what's up, brother? <laughs> this is mine, bro. That over there, that's mine too. And that fine young lady over there at the Bible study, that's mine too. Come on. It was like, when you learn to trust, when you learn to have faith, now God goes before you. He works on your behalf and he does things that you couldn't even do if you, you tried the, your hardest. That's because everything is in God's time. Everything's according to your understanding and my understanding. Everything's according to allowing the, the Holy Spirit to teach us, to mature us, to build us up in our faith and learn how to lean into him. Learn how to lean into him a little bit more. Learn how to trust him with this relationship. Learn how to trust him with this big decision. Learn how to trust him. Paul's like, let's go look at Father Abraham. And he said, anything that Abraham could have worked for, it would not have been of God. It would clearly be of man on our own power on his own strength on his own wisdom the wisdom of men and those are all good things and there, there is great things that happen and great ability and great skill and great talent and great knowledge and great gifts because God has given all gifts to all men can I hear an amen it's all God's responsibility, but guess what? The Lord is trying to teach us and build us up in our faith. Like Pastor Joe talked about last week, faith over fear, learning how to trust in God. Now we're actually putting some legs to this idea of learning how to trust in God completely. Learning how to trust in God and to lean into him so that we can learn biblically what that means. We're getting the biblical definition right here. Look what he says. Verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe. He's the father of belief. You can call Abraham the father of belief, not just the father of faith. It really comes from the same Greek word, which is pistis. Everybody say pistis. No children, that's not a bad word. 
Christus. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order. Hina, everybody say Hina. Hina is Greek for in order that or so that righteousness might be credited to them. Now, credited, righteousness credited to them. God's goodness imputed to them. In other words, you go to your bank account, it's like seeing a $10,000 transfer, and you're like, where did that come from? That was imputed to you, not necessarily by work, but you're like, that came out of nowhere, right? That's a blessing. It's like when you get home from work, and your little three-year-old comes running down the hallway and says, Daddy, and just jumps into you right there. Man, that was just a cherry on top. Boom! That's called blessing. Verse 12, and he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So in other words, he's saying, yeah, it's not just the Jews. It's not just the Gentiles, but it's both and it's both. And as a matter of fact, and Abraham started it all. He's the root. All right. And because he's the root, we're going to come and Check everything that's going, and we're going to see the development of how faith becomes something that you can't work or earn for, earn, but faith and all the good stuff that comes with faith comes as a result of us learning how to have faith, and then what follows is heaven. 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be their heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Somebody say faith. For if those who live by the law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless. Because law brings wrath. Somebody say law brings wrath. So the Jews, in order for them to think that they could uh, receive righteousness or blessing from God. Watch this. They thought that they had to be perfect. They thought they had to live a flawless life. They thought that they could no lo- not make any mistakes. There was no room for error. There was no margin for error. So, they, so guess what? The people who really loved God, but did not understand his grace, did not truly understand faith, thought that the only way they could be in the good graces of God was if they were completely obedient without fail, Living a perfect, blameless, unblemished life. Which is impossible. From the garden. From the Genesis account of original sin. It is impossible for anybody to live that kind of life. It is impossible for anybody to achieve righteousness based on their own works, their own effort. And God wants to deliver us from that burden. He wants, in other words, he wants to unburden us. It's not so that we take advantage of grace. It's not so that we take advantage of the blood of Jesus and what he has already done. It's not so. Au contraire. As a matter of fact, because of his forgiveness, because of his grace, because he forgived us, guess what? Out of that springs a desire to obey and to live a life that the Lord would approve of. But that doesn't get us into heaven. 
What gets us into heaven is faith in Jesus. And when we understand that, and when we live with Jesus there in our heart, and a part of our daily lives, and a part of every area of our walk, God is there. 14, for if those who live by the law are heirs of faith, faith has no value, and the promise is worthless. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. Somebody say by faith. So that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Somebody say to all. To all Abraham's children. To all Abraham's heirs. That's a blessing. He is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. You know, going through the toughest part of your life, the Lord looks at you and he says, you're blessed. You go through a time of your life and you feel unloved and the Lord just pours out his love on you and calls you beloved. You just got let go of your at, at, at your job and the Lord just looks at you and says, you are highly favored. You don't even know what I have in store for you. We learn to trust. Trust God. Against all hope, verse 18, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So he continues to develop this illustration of Abraham and how he became the father of faith. Having a child in old age is what he's talking about. Go down now to verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Somebody say unbelief. You guys, we got to be careful against unbelief. You, you feel it creeping in? Bind that sucker in the name of Jesus. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. You see how Paul is putting all the responsibility on God? You see that? God is able. God will do. God is doing. God will continue to do. Can I hear an amen? This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. And finally, verse 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Praise the Lord. 
When we learn to trust and have faith in God, when we learn that it's not about us trying to live a perfect life, but learning to trust in him all the more, that's when we're liberated. That's when we start to, to live and play fast and free. That's when we start to walk in such a way than ever before is when you start to walk in his grace. You, walk, you begin to, to walk in the blessing. You begin to walk in the anointing. Even though you're going through that tough time, you begin to walk in that trust. And people are wondering, how are you walking in that, in, in that mess? You say, because I'm walking with the man up, upstairs. Because I believe in the promises that God has already told me. I believe that what God has in store for me is already mine. Praise the Lord. Church, I want to invite you to stand at this time. Hallelujah. In the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16, the scripture is clear that the gospel was for all mankind. To him who would believe, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed shall not perish, but have eternal life. That means everyone has access to the same grace, love, mercy, and salvation.